0: You know, the best description I've ever heard about glory is that it's the outward shining of his inward being. Christ, the hope of glory in us. (laughs) The fruit of that is such a shining life of his inward being, a life that manifests the purest form of love. we're going to skip uh, communion this morning but we're going to have communion <laughs> because the covenant that I was talking about earlier was made by bread and wine the bread of his body the blood it's, it's those things that of himself that that he says eat and drink of me it's so much more real than the lovely little cups and bread rolls, it's, it's a co-experience, the oneness with Christ. Sorry, you all bearing with me being emotional. <laughs> I would blame it on pregnancy, but it's not, it's Christ. <laughs> he has moved me since the day he took hold of me. <sighs> That's how real it is. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's as real as being pregnant. It's such an internal inside experience. <laughs> it has such an effect on your heart and on your life. It's a whole new life. It's a brand new life. So thank you for um, being here this morning. And um, I pray that all of us... Um, just get to enjoy him uh, this morning and to really hear and receive how real, how real it is to have the Mighty God living within us. <laughs> That's quite unbelievable. So, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know, anyone without hope is dying a slow death. Hopelessness is a slow death. And Christ in us is the hope, the hope of glory. And it's not just a mere topic, it's not a great subject to unpack. Um, it's not a verse of words but it's real Christianity it's our salvation it's what the prophets of old were looking towards it's what the heavenly realms, the angelic realm is looking into today and it's what the earth is groaning for is that the sons and daughters of God who are marked and identified by Christ in them will raise up and manifest the God they know. And it... It alarms me that we have... The generations before us, and we have creation groaning, and we have the heavenly realm watching, paying close attention, anticipating, waiting for us to realize Christ is concealed in us, ready to be, to be revealed through us. And yet the very people that God has chosen seems unaware and not paying attention to the the wealth of Christ in them, but is paying attention to what's going around them. I know we're, we're, we're all guilty of it at times, but I believe if we can really value and cherish Christ, who we embraced when we first embraced that gospel, that power that's changed us, And if we maintain and abide in that, watch out, world. I mean, the world is waiting to see a church that's demonstrating the covenant love of God, a people that commune with him day in, day out. Everyone's waiting. Christ in us is the makeup of the church's identity. And what I mean by this is in Ephesians 5 um, 30, Paul's, Paul talks about this relationship with Christ as our bridegroom, and he says, For we are members of his body, we are of his bones, and we are of his flesh. And we know this statement was first said in Genesis when Adam sees the woman for the first time, and he's like, Oh, the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh, how wonderful she is. And, and I wonder if we realize that Christ sees the same when he looks at his church. He says, the bone of my bone, she is the flesh of my flesh. And I want us to remember that in Genesis 1.27, it says that God created man male and female, in his image. And it's only later in Genesis 2, 22, that we, we see the first time that God separates, separates flesh and calls her woman and takes, takes, takes her from um, Adam's side. And so the beginning position was a oneness. The, the beginning position of God was both man and woman together and it's only in Genesis 2 after he's been in the garden he's named the animals that the Lord says he needs a helper and he takes takes her from his side do we realize that when we were born again as a new creation we became this bone of Christ's bone the flesh of his flesh Do we understand, though, that this new life isn't new as such, but was always hidden in Christ? Thank you. Before the foundation of the world. Just as the woman, her life was always hidden in the man. And there was a separation. Separation of flesh, but not separation of substance. So do we realize that as a church, the very life source, the very substance of us, when we were born again, came from that open wound in the side of his flesh, when he was pierced? In Genesis, it says, after Eve was taken out of Adam, God then says, therefore man shall leave his father and be joined to his wife. Do we realize today that when we were made new creations from the side of Christ, that substance of salt, of blood and water, the gushing of um, the spirit and the blood covenant, that he had left his father, had to go to the cross to be joined with his wife. Hence why he prays in John 17, Lord, I pray that they will be one as we are one. That's why he says in John 15, I will not drink of this cup until the day we do, your joy will be made complete. Pure joy comes from oneness with God. So do we understand today that it's not our old life being transformed slowly but surely in a slow burning process. It is we are completely a whole new creation. Of the pure substance of Christ, the bone of his bone, the flesh of his flesh. Do we realize that we were taken not from his head, from his feet, but his side? Would you believe me if I said it was as his equal? This is good news. This, this is the best news I've ever received. That Christ made me his co heir That Christ joined with me. That his inheritance is my inheritance. That because of Christ and only because of Christ, I'm seated with the Father at his right hand. Do you believe this for yourselves? Because this understanding, and it's not an understanding here, but this is when we receive Christ in the Gospel, the true gospel message of power that changes us and changes our lives, transforms our thinking. If we truly get this, how can we ever feel inferior i'm not I'm not talking about women being equal to man. this' is not for the feminists out there and You know, which is great, but this is more phenomenal than that. This is God saying, come be with me and share with me. How can we ever be inferior again? It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It's Romans 8 17. You see, because of Christ choosing and joining himself to us, making himself one with us, we've become the children of God. And because of him, he's given us his inheritance with him, to share with him this life of oneness, this co-wear experience. And this is real. This 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 knowledge that this this gift we've been given of Christ himself. This is so real. It's not good theology, it's not theory. It's the person. And using the phrase um, of his flesh and of his bones when Paul said this in Ephesians, I believe then and I, I know what I'm hoping for is that we will realize that Christ doesn't separate himself from us as the bride. We are not separate to him, but we are actually the essential part of him, more intimately connected with him than any other creation. It's an innate, intimate connection that, that our life source, our lives. That's why it says, when you die, your life is hidden in Christ. And when you see him, you will appear. This is so, this is so strong about our identity. Like, seriously, this is our identity. Uh, the ch- uh, Majority of, of the church that I see does not know her identity. She thinks she is separate from the Lord and she has to try her hardest to to please him and prove to him. That's already been done. He's already put the crown on, on, on our heads and he's saying, be with me. 2 Corinthians 11 says, and this is Paul, I'm afraid that even as the serpent, the serpent deceived Eve by his, by his cunning ways, your mind may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity and pure devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you've received a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you tolerate all this so beautifully welcoming the deception, yet I consider myself in no way inferior to the super-apostles, so-called apostles. Paul here is concerned with the church's faithfulness to God, because since receiving him, they've They've opened and allowed and have tolerated other Gospels. And listen, this isn't, this isn't like other religions. It says it's another Christ that you have accepted and tolerated. And I, I wonder if we realize how deceived we can be and how subtle the difference is. Because later on it goes, even Satan disguises himself as the light. And an example of this can even be within our own discipleship groups, Christians gathering together. And what happens is we can talk about topics and we can discuss things and there's opinions being made, there's ideas. And most of the time, or some of the time, it can come from experiences of disappointment. But can I tell you something? Those sort of discussions is unfaithful to the Lord's goodness, to his character, because it's it's it can be all man, man's thoughts. And 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 the people who are hearing it receive it and and it becomes part of their construction. I was with a friend last night and she described that it was so beautiful. She said it was it's like I've I'm it's my own construction. And we know that God is building us. Right, And it's interesting because the word that is used when it said God made woman is bana or B-A-N-A. And it means to build and to establish. But interesting, it also means to continue what already has begun. (laughs) I love it. The church is the... The presence of Christ, the substance of Christ, that is to be a continuation of himself on the earth. The continuation of the king and the kingdom being established on the earth. And that that continuation is an eternal continuation. Eternity is not an extension of time, guys. It's It's a quality of God. A quality of God. Jesus said... Um, to the rich young ruler who was asking, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He says, come follow me, I can't. He's asking eternal life in front of him for eternal life. Eternal life tells him what to do and he can't. So as the church, with the quality of eternal life within us, it, in a way, we can't actually experience eternity anymore. Do you know what I mean? Because we have Christ. Everything is in Christ who is in us. Oh, man. <laughs> the identity. Oh, if, if we can grasp it. But it's what he says about us. It's not what we discuss and see as topics and subjects that are interesting about him. It's living from that life source that we've received from the beginning. And we look after and we cherish and we guard that with our lives. Doesn't mean we become closed off to other people. But what I'm saying is this, that... That We spend our lives cherishing that and and nurturing that, our relationship with the Lord, and that will infiltrate everything else. When I talked about the one flesh in Genesis, it's this experience by the first man and woman. It's something that was lost um, to humanity at the fall, right? And so... The woman, which is interesting, was then named Eve after the fall. But, you know, between them, there was no shame. There was no fear. There was no contention. There was no suspicious energy. There was no um, envy or striving or anything like that. But just really this wondrous sense of being one in everything. And... Like I was saying, without Christ in the beginning, we actually have no hope of, glorious, of glory. And you know, it's as serious as life and death, guys. Seriously. it For Christians that are living under or from other life sources, tolerating other gospels and teachings of a lifeless Christ, are bearing heavy burdens and neck breaking yokes. They carry a sense of hopelessness and they ask, What is the point of all this? And I want to say, if this is you today, you have received another gospel. You have received another Jesus. Because Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And come learn from me. I am gentle in my teaching. And I want to remind you today of, of when you first received Christ, that pure, simple devotion to the Lord that that changed you completely. Cling to that hope, and and love and nurture the Christ in you so that 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 is what will come forth. We cannot transform ourselves, we cannot fix ourselves, but allow Christ in us to be formed and, and, and to come into full maturity. Without evaluation and diagnosis of the word in us, we can actually miss the symptoms of deterioration And death, because we appear healthy and functional. Jesus says he is eternal life. And the truth is that time will tell, and time will outrun any performance, it will outrun any performance. A few years ago um, I had a family member who was in a horrendous car crash and um, she was found unconscious, badly injured and she was rushed to theatre and operated on immediately. Um, Miraculously she survived. The friend of hers, the passenger, was found conscious, um, hardly injured really. And she actually walked herself into the hospital building, but later she died of her internal injuries. Now, as sad and shocking as that story is, that is a true reality for every Christian. It it, that can be so real for some of us that on the outside we look healthy and we're performing and we're functioning. But on the inside, there is a deterioration and a slow death happening. And without the hope of glory in us, that will only continue. We all need the attention and care of a loving God who willingly and skillfully will rebuild us and establish us by his own hands with his eternal, indestructible substance that will cause us and our lives to be a glorious continuation that had begun from the beginning of the world and will continue into eternity. (sighs) That's what we're made of. I don't know. Are we hearing this? (laughs) It's so not temporary, guys. It's a... I mean, I know it's hard to fathom, but this has to become more real to us than what the scientists are telling us. (laughs) uh, Psychology physiology, all these things, all these studies that are out there that are trying to work out how we've been made and what we've been made for, somehow we are more convinced by them than our own creator and what he says about us. I mean, if we can imagine the invisible God makes man in his own image. Physical man then somehow does not know how anymore to relate to the invisible God. So he sends and makes himself as an invisible God into a physical being, so he can connect with his people that he's made in his image. And yet, you know, here humanity is that still cannot relate to an invisible god because we're still acting like physical beings <laughs> even when he, he's given us his spirit his internal invisible eternal spirit that that is the very thing that connects us to the invisible god and makes him so real to us that it's like he's physical We are to be the reflection of God himself, the reflection that he looks at us and goes, there's the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh, look at them. Look at my church, who I don't see myself separate from, but she is a part of me. And I hope we hear this, that we love one another, not separate from ourselves, but an essential part of the bride. That we would love one another with the same substance of Christ. The same love of God in us. That we would connect in that way. And be one of spirit. One in heart. One in mind. Self-modification and performance can never attain this. We can't fix ourselves. Without being built by God, by Christ in us, we will always only... Be a temporary fix. Just back to the the physical, believing the the physical things more than than the word Himself telling us who we are. There's um, these studies, and I was reading this <coughs> thing from Harvard where it was talking about the brain and the gut connection and how. Um, you know we need to watch about things we think about because it can actually affect our guts and um that 's you know with anxiety and that 's where sicknesses come from and and um and things like that, and how the brain has a direct effect on the stomach and the intestines and <clears throat> not only that, but scientists are finding that there seems to be. Um, They used to think it was the brain that would send these commanding messages to the heart. But actually, there's a a constant conversation going on between the brain and the heart. And they're actually finding now that it's the heart that is actually doing more of the commanding to the brain than what they once thought. (laughs) Now, what's interesting to me is that God says, I will give you a new heart. I will renew your mind. And so we we have we have Christ now regulating the heart, regulating the body, sending commands from here to here. So there must be an effect and a change of our lives, what we were once doing got a new controller <laughs> regulated by the spirit you know it says in um, matthew where is it matthew 14 14 that jesus he looked to the crowd and he was moved by compassion and that that moved by compassion talks about the bowels very interesting and the greeks and the hebrews the, Obviously, they didn't have science. They didn't, they didn't really know what all that was. But they understood that powerful emotions came from the bowels because they could feel it. And that's how we get expressions of like, I got butterflies or that situation may feel nauseous. These are emotions. And listen, God isn't emotionless. He talks about in the Psalms that his heart tunes. Guys, I'm saying this because I want us to know how real it is to have God living within us, that our heart can churn for things. We can be moved by things. We can feel things in our guts. I can't tell you how many times I've had an experience this. I've had experiences with people. Just a few weeks ago, I had a lady. She just came and sat next to me. Big language barrier. And I'm sitting with her. We're we're making small talk. I asked her one question. And just a wave of shame came over her face like that. And I went, okay, Lord, what's going on here? She went quiet. Eyes filled up with tears. Mind filled up with tears. (laughs) And I just sat with her and I waited. And then I asked her, why are you sad, sister? question I asked her was how long has she been married to her husband? I'd met her <coughs> husband and her child about two days earlier but it turns out it's not her husband and she had been carrying this shame and this guilt about how she did things the wrong way, had a baby, still not married, living together. One question it's the spirit of God it comes and he doesn't flit around on the surface. Later, just through the conversation, a physical need came up as to why they can't get married. But you know what? It says, it says when God was moved by compassion by the crowd he saw, it says then he fed them. What's my point? My point is God cares. He cares for us from the inside out. And anything, the things that come between him and us being one, things like shame, like anxiety, like worry, the things we tolerate, the things we prioritize, the things that distract us, when these things come between us, he will go straight for the jugular, guys. And he will use people in your lives that are, that have him in them to recognize and identify almost immediately, guys. It's, it's, it's an immediate effect. You can sit with someone and have the spirit give you a word of knowledge for them. You speak that out and it breaks them. You're not meaning break anyone, what I'm saying is breaking them open. Hallelujah. <laughs> that yoke broken. Those chains broken. Freedom is for us. Christ in us is a present and real reality. One outstanding moment and I'm going to finish here was in Cambodia. <coughs> I was spending time with one of the ladies and um in Cambodia the 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 majority of people believe in um uh Buddha, Buddhism. And um so I was sitting with her and I was saying, so tell me, what is what is the difference for you between Buddha and Jesus? Like why, t- you tell me why you're convinced Jesus is God? She said, "You know what, Buddha says, I think, and he'll he'll share great philosophy, but Christ says, I am the truth. <laughs> I can't tell you how her words pierced me, and it's not it's." It's because here is a woman in front of me who is absolutely convinced and is staking her life that Christ is the truth. The spirit that spoke through her in that moment, like, convicted me. Oh, I said, oh, thank you. Went back to my room, oh, on my knees, Lord. <laughs> And then he started speaking to me about what truth is. And it's a person. It's a person that we can stake our lives on. The word truth in Hebrew, the first letter, the last letter, and the middle letter, that's how you spell the word truth in Hebrew. And that talks about how all of God's creation is upheld from the beginning to the end and everything in between on truth. And that's Christ on the cross. If you can imagine taking care of anything from the beginning to that point, from that point, into continuation, into eternity. That is what he's asking us to stake our lives on, on himself. And every word that proceeds from his mouth is life-giving to those who are newly created in him. Because they understand that the day they became new was from the very life source of himself. And the only way to maintain that life in Christ is by the life source they first received. No other life source will do. going to um, end there and I'm going to pray and I want us to remember that we as new creations in Christ, as the bride of Christ where we have come from his side our whole identity is hidden in him and the more he becomes real to us from the inside out the more we will know who we are chosen That we live, we move, and we have our being in God. Period. So, today I'm going to pray. If you have received Christ and were born again, but sins have allowed other Gospels, ideas, and opinions of what Christianity is and who Christ is, and it has put a heavy burden on you, or it has yoked you, and it's taking you in a different direction from what you've heard today. Then I want to pray with you. And there is no shame in it, guys. Quick story. The other day, I came out the mall after parking my car. I was in there for about 40 minutes. <clears throat> and uh, I come out and I'm like, where's my car? And I'm like, hey, you're just pregnant. Don't worry. Start looping the car park, so I start looking, I call Kirk, I have a bit of a laugh, haha, can't find my car, he's like, oh Melissa, typical, you know, like, think about it, where where were you, you know, and uh, the thing is, I did actually, when I left the mall, I I had my moment, because I'm bad with directions, okay, That Everyone who doesn't know me, you know that now, but um, I'm really bad at directions, but I I was like, take a mental note of what entrance, like what was the marker that you walked out of, and it was H&M, and so I was like, okay, H&M, that's the entrance I came out of, Uh, so it was probably about 10, 15 minutes later that I realised my car's not there, and now I'm sort of starting to not laugh anymore. But panic, Call Kirk again, he's like, oh, okay, just stay calm, he's like, retrace your steps, I'm like, I've done that, I've retraced my steps, and, uh, and so I'm like, just think, Melissa, think, and went back to, to H&M, and then the third call, I'm like, our car's been stolen, <laughs> call the police, like it's our uh, it's our cool little new people mover, and I'm like, how could I let this happen, um, because it, it's not a key car, it, like, it's um, keyless, and what can happen is, if you have the remote thing in the car and you leave it, someone can literally drive your car away, they don't need keys, right, and uh, so now I'm freaking out, and Kirk's like, stay calm, I'm making my way, I'm coming over now to the hut, and I hadn't been to the mall for years, okay, so it was a bit unfamiliar, look at me making excuses, everyone's like, oh yeah, um, <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, Kirk um, calls me, and, and I'm like, now I'm a bit upset, and uh, he's like, hi darling, just come, come down to the bottom level, I'm here with your car, <laughs> gosh, H&M, and m H&M is a just for everyone to know, it's a double story. Don't get caught out. Double story. I was on the wrong level. Um, it was embarrassing. But you know what? My point with this story, <laughs> I've got a good point to this story. It's a good learning lesson, is that, you know, life in Christ is on another level, guys. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's on another level. And we, we can literally be deceived by the markers and not realize that it's, a, it's another level. And, and we can be so convinced in our own minds and so stubborn in our ways that we will walk in a dim car park for 20 minutes looping, convinced that I parked right here, convinced with my own vain imagination of a car, spark, a, a car park that does not exist. Guys... We can, we can do that. We can be on a whole nother level, walking in circles, looking for something that is not there. And if someone comes to us and says, hey, it's here. For me, that was such a relief. I felt silly, but you know what? I felt, I felt more relieved than silly and more thankful that my husband came all the way to help me. And when he saw me, he held me. (laughs) He said, it's okay. And it's the same with the Lord. And we have people in our lives that are saying, hey, it's here. It's here. You don't have to be in the bondage. You don't have to walk in circles and be stuck in the dim. Come into the light. It's here. On this level... If you have a suspicious mind towards others or towards the Lord or doubts, I want to pray with you today. And if you are battling with identity issues, whether it's jealousy, envy, unforgiveness, offenses, I want to pray with you today. And there's no shame in it, guys. Rather be free. The Lord wants us free because he is our hope of glory and he lives in us. Father, I thank you this morning just for you. And Lord, I pray you will call forth those who just need your touch and your word. To just have your spirit minister to them. To become free of what's holding them. To know that in, in your light there is no shame. You are so quick. So quick to take care of us. So quick to work in us. So quick. To reveal everything in order that we can enjoy unity with you have peace with you to enjoy the the power of your life in us the love the perfect love that casts out fear Lord you 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 so long to be in us and to such a point that we we feel every move of yours we know every move of yours thank you for your people this morning Lord I thank you that we are all in desperate need in desperate need of you every day not just because we're we need help but but Lord just to just to be with you the joy the joy of being one with you there's nothing like it the peace of being one with you there's nothing like it the satisfaction of being with you, waking up with you, going to bed with you, Lord, it's, it's everything. The relationships we have with people because of your spirit that connects us, there's nothing like it. Just bless you this morning, Lord, and I pray you, you touch every one of us in, in every way that we need this morning.